Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. Well, let me first clarify about the kids who have the balls. that normally if you threw those at me, I would dodge. But in this case, I'm gonna let you hit me because we're gonna deduct the $5 from Louis' pay. So you can throw all of them you want to. Just saying. Well, it is a special time, isn't it? It's something I don't like the word magical, but something very special about the Christmas season. I think it's because in some ways it's like we get just a little closer to heaven. A little clearer sense of what it means to be in the presence of God. And so it is a special time. I appreciate the musicians and those who decorate and so forth and Grandma Sandy, who did such a special job, that we might all focus well upon Christmas. Last week, we talked about making room in the Christmas season for Christ. Because even if you know Christ and he dwells with you, you can become so busy with the hustle and bustle and so forth that you don't make room in your heart and your mind that he won't leave you, he won't forsake you, he's always with you, but you can easily crowd him out of your daily journey. And so we were talking about the importance of recognizing that this season is about Christ. That he, that is God, chose to take the form of a man. He didn't have to do it that way. He didn't have to come as a child. He could have come in all of his splendor and glory, which he will do eventually. He could have come with legions of angels surrounding and announcing his presence. But God chose to take the form of a man, probably for many reasons that you and I cannot understand, but certainly so that we could recognize and identify with the living God. The scripture says in in John, That the word became flesh, that is Jesus, and made his dwelling among us, that we might see his glory, recognize him. He said that if you'd seen him, you'd seen the Father. That is, you and I needed some way to recognize this living God who walked among us. And he calls each of us to make room in our lives, not only in the Christmas season, but really every day, that he would be the central focus of what this life is. I think one of the biggest lies that has existed throughout history is that God is aloof and distant. There's a whole theology called deism that basically says that God created the world, put it into motion, and then he just sits back and lets it all take place without being involved. But I don't believe that it's true that way that so many people throughout history have believed that God is far away. He's almost one that cannot be reached. 
that there are a few people, the select people, the priests and others, the missionaries, who somehow they have a closer connection to God, but the rest of us, we're just out hoping that he's satisfied with us when we finish this life, that our good outweighs our bad. And do you realize all of that is wrapped up in a lie where Satan does not want you to know that the living God loves you. There's no way your good can outweigh your bad. Your bad has completely scarred the image of God in you, that is your sin. But Jesus has made the provision by coming into this world that you might be forgiven, made clean, washed white as snow, that you might have relationship with him. And so the truth is you can have a relationship with the living God. It's not a religious experience. It's not a religious endeavor. Nobody has a closer connection to God than you can have if you know Christ. And so we talked last week about the scripture in Isaiah that says God does live in a high and holy place. That is, the throne of God is unimaginable to us. When Jesus ascended, he sat at the right hand of God the Father. There's worship around the throne of God all of the time. People singing, holy, holy, holy. It is beyond our comprehension. But then the scripture says, he not only dwells there, but he dwells with those who are contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive your spirit. To revive your heart. That it's not the the proud person or the person who's successful, who has control of life, who has what they want, they're not the ones who tend to see God. The ones who tend to see him are the broken and contrite, the desperate, the ones who really need to know him. In fact, as I think about the Christmas season, it is a special time, a joyous time, but then for some, it's a very difficult time. For some, it's a time when you reflect upon the person that you loved who's not there anymore. For some, it might be that you've lost a loved one just in the last year or so. But sometimes it's somebody that you lost many, many years ago, and yet the Christmas season causes you to have a tender place in your heart. And it's the nature of life that there are seasons that sometimes cause us to have a measure of grief, a measure of sadness. Yet in all things, in all seasons, God is with those who know him to renew you, to give you hope, to lift you up, to let you know that even though a time has passed, a season has passed in your life, that God has new things in store, new seasons. That's why we celebrate Christmas, that we make room in our hearts so that we might really take time to focus upon the one who created us, that we might adore him. The scripture that is often read at Christmas is this one in Luke, which says that the shepherds were out in the fields and suddenly there was a commotion around them. They were afraid and The angel of the Lord appeared and said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Now, in some ways, the English translation of those words is probably a great understatement. Because this is not just some good news. This is the best news ever. 
the greatest possible news that God had planned before the foundations of the earth that at the fullness of time, at the perfect time that he would come into this world. That he would take the form of a man for the purpose of demonstrating his love to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that he would come into this world that he would walk among us, live a sinless life, but then be crucified, that his blood would be shed, that you and I might have remission of sin, to demonstrate the magnitude, the depth, the immensity of the love of God for each and every person. That some people might be willing to sacrifice for others, but God himself would be willing to die for you, to rescue you that you might have life and have it abundantly and so when the angel of the lord says i bring you good news of great joy this is the utmost news he could bring that god himself is coming to you god with us emmanuel and the joy is first in coming to know him and walking with him in the relationship with him and having life every day with him and then knowing that death is not something you have to be afraid of. Because if you live with the living God, that his spirit is in you on the day of your death, there's going to be no difference. You'll just leave this body, but you'll still be in union with him. Your eyes will be open to see what Noah has beheld. As he said to the thief that this day you'll be with me in paradise, that it'll all be this glorious thing. It'll probably be at that moment that everything you've been through in this life begins to make perfect sense. Do you know how when sometimes you're going through a difficult journey in life, you're in a dark valley, and it makes no sense at all. You feel very confused. You wonder if God is there. And then years later, maybe five years later, 10, 20 years, whatever it is, many years later, you look back and say, oh, now I understand. Now I see. I could see the hand of God that he was at work all the time when, when I didn't know it, that he was with me. He didn't forsake me. You see, I imagine when we get to heaven that it's, we'll look back and upon our lives and go, oh, now I understand. Now it makes sense. None of us knows exactly what it's going to be like to give an account for your life, but the scripture is quite clear that it's appointed once unto man to die and then judgment, that you're going to give an account for your life. You're before the judgment seat of God. And because he has all of eternity, that means he has plenty of time to talk with each one of us about our lives. I don't know what, exactly what it'll be like, but I would dare say that he'll go through every single thing. And all of the sinful things will be covered over by the blood of Christ. So they won't be grievous to you. They'll probably bring joy to you that, and thanksgiving that God would forgive you. Then there'll be a reward for all of the things that you have allowed him to do through you. And in that process, probably then you'll understand things about life that you never understood before. Like, why were you born in that context? Why were you allowed to go through that experience? He might then reveal to you in all of those things he was teaching, making you into the image of himself to prepare you for his great and eternal purposes. And see, all of that was wrapped up in this statement, I bring you good news and great joy. For to you this day in the city of David is born a child. He is Christ the Lord. 
the word Christ means Messiah, the entire Old Testament had been declaring a Messiah was necessary, a Messiah is coming. See, the law was given to the people of Israel. They were the chosen people, really to be a demonstration to the rest of the world, that even if you are the select group, you can't do it without God in you. That everyone failed to live up to the moral law of God, sinned in various ways. The sacrifices of the Old Testament all pointed to the need of a Messiah, to the, to the coming Christ. Prophecies declared that there would be a Messiah coming. The people of Israel misunderstood in many ways. If they had really grasped what the scriptures were saying, the prophecies, they would have realized that what was coming was a suffering servant. Not a Messiah who would be a king like David and conquer, but a, a Messiah who would conquer through suffering. Many of the prophecies of, the, of Isaiah were about these very things, that he would be a servant. That he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And this is what was being declared, that the Christ, the Messiah, has come. He said, this would be a sign to you that a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger would be found there. And he said, then suddenly there was with them a heavenly host, angels from upon high, singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men, another version says, because his favor rests upon you. Do you realize that when you come to know Christ, this happens to you personally? That the favor of God comes to rest upon you. His goodwill is upon you. There is peace that is instilled in your heart. There's rejoicing in heaven. There's singing in heaven over you. That God loves each and every person. This is the good news. You can have life no matter what happened in your past. That he would renew you, redeem you, make you into a new creation. And I don't assume that on Christmas that every person here has surrendered your life to Christ. Because I remember in many years that I was a young person not knowing God, that I would celebrate Christmas in some way, mostly a selfish way. I would hear the Christmas songs, but I didn't understand. I reflected upon that. In fact, this very morning I was listening to the radio and I heard the song, What Child Is This? And it caused me to remember that as a fairly young person, I liked that song. I liked hearing it. At the Christmas time. But when I was listening to it this morning, I was listening very closely to the words, and I realized in that song is the gospel message laid out very, very clearly. I wonder how many hundreds of times the gospel message came across my hearing without me being able to understand. And you see, it is because the pride of a person can keep you blind and not seen. But to the lowly, the contrite, he reveals truth. And see, every person who calls upon his name will be saved, the scripture says. Any human being, regardless of age, who says, Jesus, come into my heart. During the first service, there was a young man, I don't know exactly how old he is, but I'm going to say seven, maybe eight years old, who during the worship time prayed with his father to accept Christ. Came up to me after the service and said, I want to be baptized. You see, now, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter what age. It doesn't matter what age you are, whether young or old. 
doesn't matter, it's never too late. There's some people older in life who've made a lot of mistakes that think it's too late for me. It's never too late. If I understood the story correctly, there was a family here in the church where the, the dad was close to dying and he was, I think, 94, if I remember correctly, and he accepted Christ. You see, there's, there's always a time where the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you right now saying, I want to know you, I want to be with you, I want to teach you what life is about. It's a matter of you saying, Lord, come into my heart, forgive me, and make me a new person. Because you see, the scripture declares this, that Jesus, being found in the appearance of a man, humbled himself, first to take the form of a baby, but then ultimately to take upon himself the cross. He was obedient even to the cross. And because he fulfilled his responsibilities, fulfilled the task set before him, that God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, the name Jesus, the name Yeshua that we translate as Jesus, which means the one who saves. That at this name, remember they were told to name this child Jesus. The Old Testament had really prophesied this name. Joshua is a forerunner name describing Jesus. And this is the name at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. That Jesus, the Messiah, is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, that he created all things, including creating you. Every new child is a blessing from the Lord. Every new child is a miracle. They're little children I see people carrying around here. And it's just phenomenal to recognize this one who did not exist is now among us and will live life according to God's plans and purposes. And you are the same. You came into this world helpless. It's totally dependent. Yet God provided for you, had plans for you, and continues to do so. And see, it says that every knee will bow. This is one of the reasons that I love the Christmas season because Christmas really causes the world to stop and take notice. In fact, if, if you look at this map, it's a map of the public holidays for Christmas in the world. So like over here, like this means there's one day or two days that is a public holiday now, the dark color up there is not a bad thing. That's where there's three days of public holidays, but that's Greenland. And that's because once they shut the doors for Christmas, they freeze and they can't get back out for three days. <laughs> but you see, notice this, the entire Western Hemisphere, the entire Western Hemisphere recognizes Christmas. All of Europe, the, the green color is simply because in eastern parts of Europe, they're on a different calendar. They recognize Christmas in January. Our Ukrainian friends, you celebrate Christmas in early January, don't you? This year you're celebrated in December 25th. But normally it's in January. Oh, interesting. We have a number of Ukrainians. Two Christmas. 
I vote for three. <laughs> but you see, that this is where Christmas is celebrated just on a different day, like that is Russia and other parts of the Eastern Europe. But notice the gray areas. The gray areas is where Christmas is not officially recognized. North Africa and then like the Middle East, so that's heavily dominated by Islam, and then you get over into China where you've got Buddhism and things of that nature. But even in India, Christmas is recognized. Now in China, it's not illegal per se to celebrate Christmas, but it's pretty much uh, suppressed. However, the Chinese like money and they like capitalism, so it's a great time of shopping in China this time of year. So they celebrate Christmas, they just don't admit they're celebrating Christmas. But what I like about that is that the world stops and takes notice. And you realize that because of the time zones that there have been different people in different parts of the world who have arisen, who've been worshiping this morning, who've been celebrating the coming of Christmas, and then hour after hour there's a whole other group. It's like the entire world at different times is celebrating Christmas. And you see, it is not that God has made it where you cannot see the reality of his hand. Have you ever stopped to dwell upon the fact that this is 2023? And why do we call it 2023, about to call it 2024? Because there are about 6,000 years of known human history, but what? There are those years that were before Christ... And then A.D. is actually, it's not after death, it's Anno Domini, which is Latin for in the year of our Lord. So to say 2023 A.D. is to say 2023, the year of our Lord. We mark time by the incarnation of Christ. Now you would think that if that was false, that somehow or another over time that would have stopped. Now, there are the academics out there who now try to use the, the words BCE and CE, which is before the so-called common era, whatever that means, and now we're in the common era. It's simply an attempt to suppress the reality of Christ, but it's not working. See, the, God himself has revealed to the world the reality of who he is. It is not that God is hidden or hiding himself. It is that the hearts of human beings blind their own eyes. But once your heart is open and your eyes can see, what happens is you see him everywhere. And you see, the Christmas season is this unveiling, so to speak, this revealing of the reality of Christ to the world. To the world. If you look at this, this map, it's similar Again, the entire Western Hemisphere recognizes Christmas. The green and blue over here, that's where Christmas is recognized. The dark gray is, as I mentioned, those places where it is suppressed in many ways. And then the black, I don't know if you can see it well, but there are a few very black spots. That's where Christmas is actually illegal. There can be no public recognition of Christmas. Now, the obvious one is right there. Do you know what that is? That's North Korea. Well, right below it, there is a festival of Christmas going on in South Korea. And you know, I love Dr. Billy Kim, who's been here with the, the uh, children's 
choir that's been at Celebration several times. Do you know they, they, have, they operate what's called the Far East Broadcasting Corporation. They broadcast the gospel to something like one billion people. Because they reach so much of the Asian realm. They, they, they present the gospel into North Korea on a regular basis. I'm sure there are lots of Christians there who are suppressed by the, the reign of that government. But there are only a few places in the entire world that completely suppress it. That is Tajikistan, then Somalia. But most of the world recognizes Christmas. When the scripture says every knee will bow and every tongue confess, it is absolutely true. And annually it is, it is declared over and over and over. It's what we celebrate. It's the answer to life. The hope to life is relationship with the living God who is Christ. Who loves you. Who knows you perfectly. And loves you. And see ultimately in the book of Revelation it declares this. That the angels will be crying out. Saying that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. In Handel's Messiah in the Hallelujah Chorus, it talks about forever and ever and ever. That he will rule and reign forever. And I know there are those who think, well, how could there be a God in a world like this? And I've said before, because I believe this is the perfect world in which to choose. Where goodness and evil are set before you. Where you have the freedom to make a choice to embrace the living God or reject him. This is the perfect world in which to choose. Then God has declared for all of those who do choose him, you will see the perfect world. Where there will be no sin, no death for every person who knows him. And he will reign perfectly. The prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. The government will be upon his shoulders, the scripture says. And then it goes on to say that the 24 elders, all those before the throne of God worshiping him, they give thanks to him for the one who is and the one who was. And the scripture says elsewhere, the one who is to come. But by this time he has come, that he has taken his seat. He's now ruling and reigning forever. The scripture says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. All the old things will have passed away. All the darkness, all the heartache All the evil of this world will be no more. In this world, we get glimpses of the glory of God, of the love of God. You know, in Corinthians, it talks about now we see through a glass dimly. We don't see it perfectly. But from time to time, you get a full embrace of the love of God in this world. But that's only an inkling of the full embrace of the love of God that you'll experience eternally. You see, that's what the celebration of Christmas is about. That God took the form of a child to come into this world that you might see him, recognize that he loves you, that he forgives you, that you're a new creation in him, that you can walk with him and hear his voice every day, that you don't have to fear death, you can actually live life And live it abundantly in him. See, that's why we do celebrate him at Christmas. 
And he told us to celebrate in the form of communion. That is, before he was crucified, he's with the disciples. He knew what was coming. He took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. They couldn't understand, but they would know soon thereafter. Then he took the cup and said, this is my blood shed for you. Again, they didn't realize what was going on, but they would see his blood shed. And then he said to all to do this in remembrance of him. In fact, do you realize where the word Christmas even comes from? Well, the first part is Christ, the Messiah. The last part is Mass. It's from the old time of the Catholic Church many, many centuries ago, referring to the Mass of Christ, the celebration of the communion or of Eucharist of Christ. And the two just melded together to become Christmas. And so what we're going to do is celebrate communion. You don't have to be a member of this church. You just have to know the living God. If you are a Christian, then you're invited to come and celebrate communion. And if you don't know him, then ask him to come and live in you. And then come this day and celebrate communion for the first time. We're going to return to worship here in a moment. And then you can just come as you feel led to do so. There are people here who will serve you. You take the bread and you dip it into the cup. You serve yourself. Or you can get their little prepackaged servings of communion in the baskets if you prefer those. If you need gluten-free bread, they even have that. But it's a time to come. Scripture does say that you should examine your heart. And that means lay before God the truth. Ask him to forgive you of any sin. Ask him to do a new and fresh work in you. As you come and celebrate what he has done for you. That he came as a child, but ultimately his mission was to be the sacrifice for all of humanity. And that's what we celebrate in communion. So come as you feel in. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org. And make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him.